Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you guys are well. Hey, Joanne. Um, hey, Andy. Hi. <laughs> you ready? Ready for this? <laughs> oh, good morning. Good morning um, guys. Hey, so we got a few things for you this morning. Uh, let's let's get through the uh, the announcements here real fast. Um, uh, for one, welcome to Vox Community. If this is your first time, uh, we're so excited to see you. My name is Andy, uh, the creative director here on staff. Uh, David is here, um, who always has a very ambiguous title. Everything, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Power spin trainer. You know the everything bagels that are on the shelf because they contain all kinds of stuff? <laughs> that's what I've called myself. But with jalapenos. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yes. With jalapenos. <laughs> Spicy to be. Um, so good. <laughs> you can read everything about us uh, on our website at voxoc.com. Uh, this morning we'll have some teaching, we'll have some music, um, and we'll have some time to do uh, some communion together as well. Uh, we do have some things coming up here as the Easter season is right on top of us because Easter is on April 1st. I have prepared a lovely designed slide. Woo! All right. Hooray for design. Um, <laughs> but, so, uh, yeah, we're excited about Easter, but what we're really most excited about um, is our Good Friday experience yes. that we've actually prepared for you guys. So, uh, throw that slide up. So this year, um, we are doing our Good Friday experience at uh, the Muckenthaler Center, Anybody Cultural been Center. There? Anybody that right? been to the Muck in Fullerton? Yes. Yeah. Um, last year, we did it in a cemetery. So um, this is a much different experience. That, that experience was amazing. Um, but we, there was so much we learned, actually, from that experience. So we wanted to carry through with putting a lot of time and effort into Good Friday just because we've had... Um, you guys have been such an amazing community over the past two years that have been willing to walk into a church culture that... Um, that's okay with lament. That actually is learning how to walk in that process a little bit more thoroughly. And so we've really found it valuable to put a bit more stock into how we might respond to Good Friday. Because um, for us, for, for much of us, we're kind of Easter people every single day, you know, in a way. And so while we're, you know, excited to do our Easter service, for us to know we have a time to actually pause and to deeply reflect upon um, the greatest sacrifice that we believe has ever been made, um, we think has a lot of pretty big value. So it'll, it'll be special this year. It'll, it'll be an experience. You'll walk through um, different places at the muck. But what's exciting is we've asked some of our artists in our community to take on some of the... Um, uh, what are they called? The uh, stations, stations of the cross. cross. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but we've asked some of our audience, uh, our our members, our artists, artists <laughs> to recreate some of those, and those will be displayed um, in the mansion. So as we exit um, uh, a time of, of of worship, we'll go into the uh, auto, into the museum, and you'll be able to see these and respond to them and read them and take communion. And it's going to be a good time of just kind of remembering the sacrifice that Christ did for us. Yep. Absolutely. So we're excited for that. Yep. So, um, oh, and then real fast, and then um, and then on Easter we do have baptisms as well. So uh, signups um, are on the website if you're interested in getting baptized. Uh, last year, I mean, we baptized like 15, 20 yeah, people or so. It was it was really fun. We do it out on the grass, so like we kind of take service here and then we we head out there, and um, that's just so wonderful and, and such a beautiful experience. So if you're interested in getting baptized, um, we'd love to baptize you on Easter. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, so that's great. that. Um, last week we uh, announced and we were up. 
up here talking about Mike's resignation. I don't know if any of, it, if any of you here in the room were not here last week, and this is news to you. Uh, we did put on uh, our website the, um, the recording on that. So if you would like to hear what we talked about last week, please go to the website. Uh, we're not going to talk about it um, this morning more than that, other than uh, we encourage you to go and listen to that online um, and email us questions if you have that. We will respond as soon as we can to you. Um, but we're here to help with that. We're here to walk with you with that. Um, but again, it's up on our up on our website at voxoc.com. And if you just scroll down a little bit on that page, it'll mm-hmm. talk about leadership announcement. Click on that and it'll take you to the audio uh, of that. And then we also put some Q&A on there. Um, but just for you guys to, uh, to hear that, if you were here last week and want to hear it again, please go there and um, listen to that. And I went back and I listened to it, you know, and I answered a lot of my own questions <laughs> listening <laughs> to it a second time. But no, but please um, go there and um, listen to that. And please let us know if you have any questions regarding that whole thing. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, um, folks did send in questions that, you know, we want to answer. There's a few that came in that we thought were actually pretty important for, to address and so you guys could hear. So, uh, Bob, if you can uh, throw in that first question. Number one. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, I am mad because Mike Erie promised that he was committed to the church. I'm also mad because, again, he left so suddenly it did not even Skype to say goodbye to us. I'm mad because he left the leadership at Vox to pick up his mess. Mike Erie has a trend in leaving churches so suddenly and being so rash. I was hopeful because he started this church that this would be different. Yes, he's human, but that's not cool. So not really a question, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and obviously the reason we've, so the reason uh, I want to put this up is that uh, we did have a couple other folks that expressed some of the same uh, disappointment, um, especially regarding, um, you know, that he wasn't here on Skype to either announce it himself or talk about it himself. Um, I fielded a few of those questions. Uh, we're in discussion about that and we'll be in discussion with Mike about it and kind of see if that feels appropriate, if that feels like something that he wants to do. If And so we'll that's kind of a, I don't know right now if, if that will be something that we do. Um, but secondly, of course, I want to acknowledge that, you know, and this actually came up last week. There's some uh, wonderful thoughts and encouraging thoughts that a lot of you expressed about us handling the direction and where we're going. But we still do want to acknowledge that this is still a true experience for some of you in here, and that's okay. And so um, we're not, you know, we're not hurt by hearing this. And absolutely, like, let's talk about that and let's process through that. And um, let's find time with the community pastor to, to talk about that and wrestle through that. Because that, that absolutely, we just want to validate that this is true, you know. So, and it might not be that some of you who feel that way might not actually be speaking up or talking to us about it. Um, but in way I wanted you to know if you feel that way your voice is heard yeah. in this you know kind of through folks that are sharing it this way we too. We want to reiterate that we're still a community where you can ask questions and we want to answer them to the best of our ability so this is why we we're doing yeah. this this morning. Absolutely. Right. Question yeah. number two. All right. Uh, well, the Vox podcast and not the Vox community podcast. So we have two podcasts. Uh, one, which is kind of came before the church did, which is the voxpodcast.com, which is Mike's show. And then we have the Vox community podcast, which is just our recordings and teachings from, from this service. Uh, no more Mike and Andy question mark. Sorry you all experienced tension within uh, leadership at Vox Church. Thanks. Um, 
Yes. So Mike is still doing uh, Vox Podcast. Um, I have been with him since the beginning on that, uh, producing, editing, and co-hosting. Um, during just a short season, I am going to be taking a break from co-hosting um, at this time. But that is just uh, primarily so I can focus on the stability of this leadership here. So it's really just a way to open up some mental capacity for myself um, to make sure that you know I'm with you guys. I mean, this is my main thing. This is my gig. And so um, you guys come first in that way. So that, that would take up a, you know, a day and a half of my time to edit and be thinking through things, but more folks of you have wanted to meet, spend time together, walk through this, and then um, we're just doing more meetings and more conversations, obviously, at this particular time of transition. So um, his show will still be there. Um, you won't hear my voice for a little bit, but I'm behind the scenes. I'm still going to edit and still help him kind of keep the show going. Um, granted that he would drop the ball there pretty hard. If <laughs> so love you, Mike. <laughs> All right, let's, go to, let's go to question number three. <laughs> it says here, as long as the leaders and preachers are committed to Vox, I'm in. Thank you for that. Uh, Erie didn't contribute much since he left. From what I could see, I think he's a great preacher and was the main reason I came to Vox, but it's clear we can get along without him. I wish him well. And, I, and we do too. Um, but yes, thank you for uh, just being here and being committed and our teachers and we're all committed to make sure this happens. And this morning as we were meeting, um, as all of our leadership team and our um, staff, our leadership staff, our volunteers were out in the front, uh, we were reminded of Peter and how Jesus called him, but then Jesus says, hey, I'm gone and now it's up to you. And the amazing things that Peter did afterwards, we, we read through the New Testament. And I think that's where we're at. It's time to move on. It's time to kind of pull up our bootstraps and it's time to make this uh, happen and continue to move forward as God calls us still to be a place that's safe to belong, to be a place that loves and serves the world and not stands in judgment of it. But we're here to move on. We're here to say, hey, what God would you have us do now? And we're here in a posture of saying, let's continue to make this place happen uh, for people who come and want to know and get to know a beautiful Jesus. So that's what we're committed to, uh, regardless who's here in, in leadership, regardless to what we experience. We're here to make sure that God continues to be beautiful and we create a place for that. So there it is. Cool. That's there it, it is. Yep. So um, Ronnie's going to come on out. Yes. Thanks, guys. And uh, Bob, if you can, uh, go ahead and throw up that number again just for a Q&A. So again, like, you know... We believe Vox is the safest place to talk about anything. That's what we're trying to create, and we're hoping to kind of maintain that. So um, at any time, you know, you're welcome to submit questions to either feedback at VoxOC or actually text them in. We try to make it easy right over your phone. Um, so, yeah, if anything comes up in Ronnie's message or anything else you want to know what's going on with the, the leadership and, and all of that, feel free to, to please send it in, and we'll do our best to address whatever whatever comes our way. So, great. Right. Cool. Right, thanks. Guys. Cheers, Ronnie. All right, Ronnie. problems with my message, feel free to email me at Andy at Vox at OC. <laughs> <laughs> sure to get back to you. Uh, I actually had a friend listen to the podcast uh, yesterday, the other day, and he doesn't go to this church, and, and he listened to it, and, and he said, he called me, and he said, wow, it sounds like there's a church over there that's really happening. And I kind of laughed, and, and it's true. It's, you know, when, when you're a part of a community, in, you know, in your family, when you feel safe enough to be able to be transparent and honest, that's what it's really about, right? Like, we want to create a community where we can feel that safe to, to talk about things, to be honest, to vent about our frustrations and our anger. And that's really what the community is like here, and that we don't have to feel the need to put a spin on anything, um, but we can just be honest and transparent about our journey and where we're at, because we're all, we're all messy, right? And so we're just doing this together the best we can and, and praise, praise God for his grace and his mercy and all of that, right? Yeah. Okay. So this morning, <clears throat> we're going to talk about our good friend, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Anybody know Nehemiah? Yeah. So Nehemiah, 
his story revolves sort of around the rebuilding of Jerusalem. There's a city uh, that has been sieged and sacked. The walls have been destroyed. Uh, and so the people of Israel have their, their central location of where they meet with God has essentially been taken from them. Uh, and so they're in, this, they're in this place of what do we do? We don't, we're, we're displaced um, and, and our, our, our meeting place with God is gone. So, so what do we do? So Nehemiah as uh, a cupbearer of the king and uh, he's found himself in a place of privilege. Uh, he finds uh, favor with the king to go back to see Jerusalem uh, and what's going on there. Now, I'm gonna read a little bit of Nehemiah chapter two in a part of three and then we're gonna do a little bit of New Testament stuff as well. But uh, pay attention to what God is doing in this story because this is a historical narrative sort of telling the story of what's happening in this place. Uh, but there's something much bigger than the city walls and the rebuilding of the city as we sort of see it in the scripture. So just kind of pay attention and listen as we go along. So Nehemiah chapter two, starting in verse 17. (coughs) But now I said to them, this is Nehemiah talking, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. So the people of Israel have felt the weight of not having their own home, their place to call home. It's been destroyed. And so there's even disgrace. He uses that word. Then I told them about how gracious the hand of God has been on me, about my conversations with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And they began the good work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, heard our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. They laughed. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? And I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall, but you have no, then they they respond, you have no share, no legal right, no historic claim in Jerusalem. So they're sort of scoffing, they're mocking Nehemiah, saying you're never gonna be rebuilding the walls, you're never gonna have your place again, it's gone. Then in verse three, then Eliashev, which Eliashev, his name in Hebrew means God restores. Pay attention to what God is doing here, right? You can see what God is actually doing in the midst of the story. The high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate, at the sheep gate. That's gonna become important later on. They dedicated and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated and the tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them and beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri. So, as you look at this story, and as you look at the sort of the the overall story in scripture, God always uses people as the integral piece around restoration, around rebuilding, and the work that he's doing in the world. People are integral to that piece of what God is doing in our world today. Isn't that interesting? When you think about how fallible, um, you know, how, how, how weak we can be at times, and yet God... And this work that he's doing chooses people to be at the center of it. So, so they start rebuilding Jerusalem at this place called the Sheep Gate. Now, this is an interesting thing because the Sheep Gate, you go, why would, why? It doesn't seem significant that they would start rebuilding here at the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate is a place where it's, it's you know, they brought the sheep that would come in for, for the atonement, for the sacrifice. And so this place is messy, it's dirty, it's smelly, and it's stinky. And so we ask this question, why do they start rebuilding here in this place, all right? That's the question, why do they start building there? So, title of my message is, your sheep don't stink. Your sheep don't stink. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you. Thank you for just the time to gather together to be a community of of people who are wonderfully human. We make mistakes, 
Uh, we're messy. We're not put together. We don't have to hide that. We can, we can be honest and open and transparent. And this is a place to do that. And we're grateful for that opportunity to gather this way. We pray that this place could be um, a safe haven, um, light in a storm for those who might be hurting um, and wanting to come and just find refuge. Pray that this place would be that, uh, that this community would bond together in the midst of pain and hurt and sadness, but also in joy and, and rally together when we see moments and glimpses of, uh, of something great because we know that you're doing something and that you're using us. In the midst of this restorative work in the world, you use us. And for that, I'm confounded and I don't understand, but I'm grateful that you use us. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> have you ever had one of those customer service experiences that literally just destroyed your ability to have conversations with customer service people ever. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have an experience so bad with a customer service person that like from there on, you're always hesitant to even like bring up anything. Do you know, I, I'm one of those people that like, I feel so bad when I call, when I have an issue. Like that's not, that shouldn't be the way it is, right? I mean, let's just think about it. Have, have you ever called Time Warner Cable? <laughs> Okay, so some people know what I'm talking about, right? Time Warner Cable headquarters located in hell. Uh, they, <laughs> they can make your life miserable, right? And it's like, what in the world is going on? Like, have you ever had a bad customer service experience at the airport? <laughs> My brother-in-law, just recently, he's a wedding photographer and he travels a lot. Uh, he was in Iceland and he had booked his tickets. And when he got to go get his ticket, they literally didn't have any record of it and basically just told him, sorry, we overbooked. Like, like what? That doesn't make any sense. How many of these customers, are, how, about the, how about the DMV? You ever had a bad customer? Like, you go to the DMV and you like walk up there just to take care of business and that's what they're there to do, right? Like, they're there to help you and they give you the... <sighs> Or the, shh, oh, okay. And you know, like, they're so bothered and irritated that you're there asking them questions to help you. Like, isn't that the worst? Because it's like, this is your job, and I need your help, and, and here we are. It's like, you're, you're the hassle. Now, now, contrast that with a great customer service experience. It's almost like, what? Right? I, I was recently given a gift. A friend of mine is a chef at the Ritz-Carlton. And uh, he said, hey, you come to the Ritz-Carlton. It's on me. I'll take care of it. I was like, wow, okay, because I could never afford that. So we went there. And from the moment we walked in, you can clearly see the difference in customer service. Like, you are the star of the show when you walk into that place, right? They take your bags for you. There's, like, all these little drinks for you, wherever you want when you get there. Like, most hotels don't do that. They have all these things here. They're asking you what you need. I remember um, we had left our room, and I forgot a pair of pants in the room, and I'm leaving, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. So I go up to the customer service, and, you know, normally I'd be afraid to ask because I don't want to be the hassle guy. And I'm like, ah, excuse me, um, I think um, I left a pair of pants in my room. And the lady was like, oh, my gosh. And she gets on the radio and calls like 13 different people. And they're like scouring the property to try to find where. And so they grab my pants. Not only do they grab my pants, it'll be just a few minutes, sir. They're, they're bringing your pants up. They had my pants pressed and then brought to me. <laughs> right? It's like, what is this place? Like, why can't everything be like that? Right? And if you've ever had that experience, something about that resonates because it's almost like you matter. Like, like you're, you're important. Like, we care about you. Now, the church, the community that we're in, people matter, right? Because people matter to God. 
And so we see this story play out over and over and over again throughout scripture that, that people are at the core of what God is doing and people matter. And so here we see Nehemiah start rebuilding this wall at this place called the Sheep Gate. Now, I told you a little bit about that. In Jerusalem, uh, the Sheep Gate was this gate in the northern part of the city where all of the sheep for the Day of Atonement, the sacrifice, people were like, you know, sacrificing animals in order to atone for their sins with God, right? Sounds a little bit weird. People are killing pets. You're like, what's happening? But this is where all the, the sheep would come through this one gate. Now, you can imagine, you've ever been on a farm with sheep? It's, it doesn't smell pleasant, right? It's not a good place. It stinks. It's smelly. And, and so this is the first place they begin to start rebuilding the wall. Now, Why? Well, because the sacrifices were important to the atoning relationship with God. So to be in right relationship with God, it was necessary for people to have the place for the sheep to come in and be sacrificed. So it makes sense that God said, I want you to start here at the sheep gate, rebuild here, because relationship and people mattered. It says that they dedicated it and they set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated to the Tower of Hananel. Now, when they would dedicate something, this idea of dedication, this idea of sanctification, of setting something aside, setting it apart to be special, this gate was set apart. It was set apart to be special. Now, stop right here for a second and ask us some questions. What's happening there and then and here now? What's happening there and then is God is focusing on relationship with his people, saying, let's rebuild, let's restore, let's fix it here. Now, here and now, God desires more than ever with relationship to his people. And like Nehemiah, he invites us, his people, to begin to work with God. We are invited to work with God in this idea of rebuilding, of restoring of reconciling relationships, healing. We're called as ambassadors to do this. How beautiful is that? That God in his foresight, understanding and knowing our weaknesses, um, that we're not gonna get things right, that we're messy, and yet he still says, no, no, this is gonna be the primary vessel through which I begin restoring and rebuilding and redeeming this world. It's through you. Now, it's important. Because Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls and the city, which everybody thinks is important, right? It's important to do this because we've lost our home, we've lost our place, this is where we meet with God. And so is God really about the people or is really God about the place? And I think what you see over and over and over again is that God is not concerned about the place necessarily, but more about the people. God is concerned with his people, not the place. Now, this is hard for some people to understand, even today, right? Some people think that God is really redeeming and restoring our country. Mm, But it's not. And I've heard this before, that I've heard the gospel be co-opted by a particular party saying that, you know, God is using the United States to usher in his kingdom. And I go, no, 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 no. God is not about the place. He's about the people. It's not about your city. It's not about your state. It's about you. You're his people. But make no mistake that if we become the ambassadors to interact with the people around us, to begin the work of restoration, redeeming, reconciling, restoring, and rebuilding, all of the other places will get taken care of in and of themselves. Right? The city, the state, the country starts to look different in the midst of people caring for one another. 
being the ones who touch those people around us. Could you imagine a small community of people, something similar like this, who just gathered together with this idea that we're here to bring restoration, to bring healing, to bring redemption, and to rebuild the brokenness that we see around us. Can you imagine what could happen? I don't think we have to imagine very hard, right? There were 12 men 2,000 years ago who did this very thing, who gathered around the Eucharist and said, we're here to be used by God to bring healing and restoration and redemption to the world that we see. And God used them. And it's unlike anything the world has ever seen today, right? Just think about what's happening when people gather together around this core central idea. Fortunately, we don't always see that, right? What we see is division, racism, violence, hatred, this extreme distribution of wealth, poverty, and extreme wealth. We see, you, know, you look around the world and you can see it, right? A far cry from where this whole redeeming, rebuilding, restoring, and reconciling has called us to. But in Nehemiah's day, God was doing something more. And in Jesus' day, God was doing something more, even more. Check this out, ready for this? Okay, just follow me, now stay with me, okay? So Nehemiah is gonna rebuild Jerusalem, and where does he start? Remember? The sheep gate, right? Why is the sheep gate important? Because it's about restoring relationship with people. So this is where the sheep would come in for the sacrifice. Now, in John chapter five, this is New Testament, this thousands of years later, after Nehemiah, we see Jesus. Now, this is Jesus's life. In, In chapter five, verse one. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for the one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the... The sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay at the porches. Now, now, now follow me here for a second. The blind, lame, and paralyzed are all here. Do you remember Nehemiah's place, the sheep gate? What was out there? The dirty, smelly, stinky sheep, right? In Jesus' day, what's by the sheep gate? The broken, the marginalized, the outcast the hurting. They're all in this place. And in a religious society, like Jesus' day, created a completely broken system that marginalized those on the outside of the religious norms, right? The people who were lame, the people who were broken, clearly God, they had done something in their life that was wrong. That's why they were on the outside. And those who were on the inside felt the privilege and God was blessing us. And this is, they were, they were clearly mistaken, And so it's unheard of that this teacher, this rabbi, Jesus, would be standing in the midst of these people at the sheep gate. What happens for these religious people is it becomes too painful to look at these people. You'd have to walk past them to get into the city and they would just sort of like, you know, you can't look at them. So you just push them farther and farther away to the fringes. Because with distance, it always keeps us and them. Sometimes it's overt, sometimes it's covert, sometimes it's explicit, sometimes it's implicit. Sometimes we don't know it, we're just a part of a system and we sort of perpetuate that sort of thing. And that's not blame, but we have to be awakened to this idea that sometimes we create these systems that marginalize people and push them farther and farther and farther. 
And these people, these religious people who were supposed to care, lacked compassion. Lacked the vision to see that they mattered because people mattered to God. Alexander uh, Schultzen says this, it's easy to draw a line that separates us from them. Unfortunately, the line dividing good from evil cuts through the heart of every man. In other words, it's easy to say, oh, we're over here and they're over there and let's keep it that way. But the problem is, is that you're just as broken as they are. Jesus pushes past the divide. The fact that Jesus was even at the sheep gate was difficult for religious people to even understand. I mean, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these religious right people would look at Jesus and go, what are you doing? It's as if Jesus found himself at the homeless encampment underneath the freeway, this teacher. It's as if Jesus found himself at an LGBTQ rally. Why, Why would he be there? Jesus standing with people at an abortion clinic, why would, why would Jesus be there? Jesus showing up at an AA meeting, why would Jesus be there? Jesus at a Black Lives Rally matters. Why, why would Jesus, why would he be there? Because you see, people are at the center and the core of this redeeming work that God is doing. And the broken people who get pushed aside, they matter. (coughs) They matter. The people around had created this us and then system that was literally destroying the fabric of what God was doing. They walked around in this place like their sheep didn't stink. (laughs) Right? They found themselves separated. Oh, we're not going over there. And that's exactly where Jesus found himself in the midst. Because it was precisely at the sheep gate where the sheep would begin the process of being sacrificed, right? The sheep gate became the place where the broken, the marginalized, the unwanted of society were sacrificed, pushed to the fringes, out of sight. And yet Jesus shows up there and he looks at this This poor man who's been paralyzed, can't walk. He says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. He performs miracles. Now this is, this is like, this is uh, staggering for people because in Jesus's day, there was very strict rules about clean and unclean. And these people were considered unclean and Jesus was considered clean. Now, in order for something that was unclean to be clean, well, There had to be a process in order to make that happen. And never did something clean touch unclean and make it clean again. And Jesus did that very thing. And this was like mind-blowing to the people of the day. Why would he do that? Well, because people matter. They're at the center. They're the hinge point of the work that he's doing to restore and to rebuild and to redeem. God could only be with the clean. And he chose Jesus as that vessel. And Jesus was about his father's work. Oftentimes, Jesus was asked, hey, would you perform these miracles? Would you do the cool party trick? Would you do this? And Jesus often replied and said, now I'm about my father's business. And what is his father's business? The overarching narrative is to restore, to rebuild, and to redeem, right? And today, 
this Jesus, this mind-blowing rebel, this counter-cultural figure calls us to be about his father's work. You see, Jesus was uniting all that God was with all that wasn't. See, they were the wasn'ts. People outside, they were the wasn'ts. Because this is what God was, and you're not. And so Jesus united all of that and said, no, no, no. You're a part of this plan. You're a part of what I'm doing. You matter. To redeem, to restore, to rebuild, it's not about the place. It's about the people. And he calls us into that work, to follow him, to do what he does. And so this morning, we get to ask that question about ourselves. What's happening in this place? Because it's really not about the building. It's not about the seats. Oh, this is a nice place to gather, sure. But really, the work that is happening, the restorative, the redemptive, the reconciling, the rebuilding is happening in you, in the, in the lives that you interact with, which is why it's so crucial that we have these, these table gatherings, right? That we invite people into our homes, people who wouldn't otherwise find themselves maybe in a church setting, because that's the work that God is doing. All that God was, all of things that wasn't, God unites and brings those things together. What would it look like for us to engage in the Father's work? The opportunities are around us, right? What does it look like to go feed homeless people? What does it go look to stand in the midst of something? Because it's painful to watch, right? If you've ever been um, down the corridor, the Santa Ana Transportation Corridor, if you've ever been down there and seen the homeless encounter, it's, it's hard to, to see. And it's actually painful. Like, I want to just turn away. I want to pretend that I don't see it. And I drive my, down the freeway. I want to, like, not look at it because if I look at it, it's painful. See, that's the very thing that God is saying, no, 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 I want you to look. I want you to see the people that I love and care about. You know? It's easy for us to draw distinctions from people we don't fully understand. We can't quite comprehend someone's lifestyle, and so we just, it's too hard to look at, so we create distance, and I think what Jesus is calling us to is to, to close the gap, to enter in, to begin this beautiful work of redeeming and restoring and rebuilding this world. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that you called us into something much greater than what we see around us. That sometimes it's hard for our eyes to lift up and actually look and see that, that you are working. With so much brokenness and sadness and pain around us, it's, it's very difficult. But man, those moments when we interact with someone and we see the glimmer of hope, we see the tears of joy that come from somebody who's experienced that spark that you bring, that there's a better day, that our best days, they are ahead of us. The hope that you bring, God, we pray that you'd continue to use us, that you'd call us and draw us nearer to you, but nearer to those who are broken, those who are marginalized, those who are pushed to the fringes. Would you help our hearts to not look away, but to actually look with compassion, to ask the hard questions about what can I do? How can I help? 
How can I participate? Yet help us in our moments of weakness and failure when we, we don't, not to feel guilt and shame, but just to know you're calling us to something great. And it's there when we're ready. We're thankful, Jesus. We love you. And we pray. Amen. The Eucharist table, which we always have up here, is, is central to this gathering, central to what we're doing. It's central to the message of Jesus, which is that we gather together around the sacrifice. Um, this is the work of restoring and rebuilding and redeeming, right? Um, there's been a lot of things that have centered around communion at different places, and sometimes people feel like they can't come because maybe I haven't done the sacraments or I haven't done the right things and I'm not worthy to come and take communion. And, and it's for those reasons precisely that you're invited to partake because none of us are worthy of it. None of us have done the right things to get there. In fact, we probably have all done a lot of wrong things, and yet he invites us to the table in your own way. Find your way to the table and commune with God. Um, we have gluten-free over here on this side, so if you want, you can take that. Um, we have some prayer shawls that are up front, and obviously, if you're hurting or if you're in need of prayer, there'll be some people up here who would love to pray with you. Um, if you want to write something down, there's something even cathartic about writing um, a need down on a piece of paper and sticking it in there and praying and almost releasing that thing. And so, there are opportunities around the room to engage in this time. And so, Izzy and the band are going to play for us, and we're going to worship a little bit, and then uh, we'll come back, and then we'll dismiss, okay? So, this is your time to respond. Thank you, guys. Oh, it's good to be alive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a good day. It's a good day. Hey, so uh, I want to invite you out to the patio to hang out, chit-chat. Uh, if you're going to lunch, find somebody new, have them pay for you. That's the Christian way to do it. Um, ah, the restoring, the redeeming, the reconciling work that God is doing. Are you a part of it? Do you want to be a part of it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, praise, praise Jesus. We're invited into it, and so let's not look away. Let's look into it, and let's move into it in our, in our way that we do, you know? So uh, God bless you this week. Go in God's grace. We will see you next week. Bye, guys. See you. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.